Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a Welcome to the Dork Forest. My name is Jackie Cation and I am your host. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. We are on AllThingsComedy.com network of podcasts, which have a lot of podcasts available. What else should you know? Let's do the credits. Mike Rickbert composed and sang the song you just heard for the Dork Forest with, he sings it with his girlfriend, Sarah Cohen. And let me be the first to tell you, they're getting married. Yeah, kind of exciting. Anyway, so uh, Mike will sing again at the end his words to the Mexican hat dance tune, his lyrics. Patrick Brady will fix this audio, and Vilmos fixes the website, JackieCation.com. JackieCation.com has a lot of opportunities to support the show. There's, of course, the Amazon banner. When you order from Amazon, just go to JackieCation.com, click on the white banner on the right-hand side of the screen that says Support the Show, and it'll take you to Amazon. You order like normal, and I get a bit of a kickback, and I appreciate it. There's also merch. There's T-shirts and DVDs and CDs of my stand-up comedy. There's Dork Forest T-shirts. There's stand-up sh- shirts. And that's all available on the website. I also have hoodies because we're getting into that season. Speaking of that season, I usually ask you to donate, but it's November, you guys. In November, you don't donate. You don't donate to the Dork Forest. You donate to your local food bank. And in January, I'll ask you to donate again. But this month, Google the words food bank, and the name of your town and city, and you will find people who would like you to buy them a sandwich. So there you go. Do that. Oh, stand-up-wise, you guys should know that this week I'm in Tucson. I'm in Phoenix and then Tucson. All this is available on JackieCation.com. And then next week, November 14th, I'm doing one show in Knoxville, Tennessee at the Scruffy Comedy Festival. So there you go. Let's do the show. Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. We're in my living room in Van Nuys. It's very glamorous. Uh, I'm here with Will Wheaton. Welcome Hello. to the program. Very happy to be here. It's a program. We met. I did stand-up. You did storytelling yeah. and sketch stuff. Your stand-up killed that night. Oh, yeah. It killed in front of an audience that I just didn't think was going to be a like into it audience because we had the worst heckler in the history of life. Yeah, that was a lot. That oh uh, yeah, that was we- that was weird because it was in LA in a theater. Yeah, the complex, which I don't, I've never met a person who's doing theater in LA who's like, oh, it's at the complex. Great. Right. I can't wait. <laughs> right. Yeah, it- we're gonna drive to Santa Monica at four o'clock, and then after we're gonna leave at about five thirty, and then we're going to the complex. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> right. It is in the weirdest. It is not a great, and there's nowhere to park. There's nowhere to park, and also and there's no valet parking. Right, and there's there's also some kind of like um, there's some weird kind of sound that only like fucking lunatics can hear, and it draws them into oh, the right. audience. Of it's like a high pitched line that says, of, "Yeah," and the only thing open is a liquor store. Yeah, like if you there's nowhere to get coffee. Right. I don't understand why there's nowhere to get coffee. That that actually is offensive to me. That uh, I mean. Uh, other people want a soda. Other people want a beer. Yeah. I need uh, my adult beverage of choice is coffee. Yeah. Well, need- they're not there. They are not going to serve your needs in any way, shape yeah. or form. Yeah. If you wanted food, you would be screwed. Yeah. You, I did. Actually, I did want food. Did and you? I went into that, that little liquor, liquor store, store thing and chips? Uh, some chips. They had some questionable hummus, but I was feeling not you know, I was, no, I was feeling like, I'm going to do this. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you try it? Uh, I did. And I'm here. Here you go. The, yeah. You've lived. And I think I had an apple. <laughs> oh, no. See, an apple from a liquor store. I know. It's a bad idea. It's ambitious. Right. Uh, but I'd done the hummus. You have an apple. Right. That's true. And you needed something to dip in the in the hummus. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I'm not against. All right. But I have this to say, because sometimes at like two in the morning, yeah. there'll be a, a push cart lady who's making hot dogs wrapped in bacon. And I don't mind that. That's a nickel. Yeah. And that uh, could kill you or make you live longer. But whatever it is, it's actual food, at least. Or it feels like an older Mexican woman has cared about it enough. Whenever we leave, my wife and I have season tickets to the Kings. Mm-hmm. And whenever we leave Staples, there's always that dude who has this kind of like um, 
weird, like, like janky crafted, you know, street cart thing that's like a propane cylinder right. and something that's not supposed to be a cooktop, but has become a cooktop. Oh yeah. And it's covered in hot dogs and bacon and onions and it smells so good. And I don't eat hot dogs. Right. And I, um, but I, you, you were tempted just oh, because of so it. It smells tempted. amazing. It smells so good. It's like, uh, I th- it was a district nine. Was that the one with the shrimp people? Yeah. Yeah. It, that's what, uh, I was watching shrimp, uh, district died with my nephews in Milwaukee. And yeah. one of my nephews who was 13 at the time said, is that what LA is like? And I was like, kind of at a Staples after yeah. the Staples Center at yeah, around for sure. one in the morning. That's yeah. exactly what it's like. I was in downtown just before I came here and, uh, and I, I, I was down there for an appointment and I was really hungry. So I walked downtown a little bit to like go just to a, a sandwich shop, get a sandwich okay. and a coffee yeah. and all that. And I have not walked in downtown LA for more than half a block ever in a decade or I, yeah, easily, easily. I, yeah. You know, I don't count from the parking lot to the Staples Center. Okay. Oh, so you walked you know, several blocks. Yeah. So I, so, yeah. So I walked down Spring Street and and I found this place. And downtown Los Angeles is pretty great. Yes, block to block, right? I yeah. think you were on a gentrified block. Oh, no, I was definitely on a gentrified block because I've been down. Wine and cheese shop kind of? Bookstore next to it? Yep, yep, definitely yeah. those things around and uh, lots of people with Very dogs. Lot, so many people with dogs. Yeah. Like more than I mean, one it, dog. it felt a lot like Greenwich Village to me. Right, right, yeah. It, But one block over, people live in there. Like, yeah. Like on the street, you're like, oh, this is actually, I think they named it Skid Row. This was named after this yeah, place. Yeah, that place where if yeah. you walk with if you walk with bare feet, you will get a staph infection. Oh my god! Yes, yes, you will. Yeah, it's it's. I was gonna. What was I? Oh, I had some. Oh, that could happen. That happens all the time. It's. We have new microphones, you guys. So, um, I believe this is recording. It looks like it is, uh, but I can't. The micro. The headphones. Hey Patrick, let's talk. This is my audio guy. Sometimes oh. I leave him little, Hi, little egg, little little uh, Easter eggs yeah. in the middle of the episodes. Yeah. See if he's listening. Yeah, he is. And so, <laughs> I should uh, hope the audio guy is listening. Yes, yes, but but uh, I we both clean him up and we clean him up and we crank him out. So who knows nice. how, how 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 dense we get into it? So it's at Will W. By the way, on that's Twitter. me on the Twitter. Yeah, and then WillWheaton.net, and Will is with one L. It is, and um. You, I mean, they're a traditional, you're a, you're a dork luminary, I think, when it comes to the dork forest. We've had some, some good, some good dorks of, yeah. with dork cred. Uh-huh. You got it. You got the ancestry. You got I the, think I was the just, pedigree. I was just there before everybody else was. That's right. I mean, it does, I, it's not like I'm better at it than anybody else or, no, no. you know, or, or, or like I, you were born uh, on third base for dorks. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> that's totally. What, that's yeah. All. I was on Harmontown last night yeah. and Dan Harmon was talking about how he came to play board games and Dungeons mm. and Dragons mm-hmm. and, and how the thing that attracted him to Dungeons and Dragons was that the imagination aspect of it and the storytelling aspect of it. And as he's describing all this stuff, he right. was basically describing me. Yeah. And my childhood, and I didn't realize that he and I are the same age. I just figured he was older than me because he's done so much more. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he has lived inside of a bottle for the last 27 years. So, uh, you look great. Uh, and it's not thanks. that Dan Harmon doesn't look great for Dan Harmon, <laughs> but Dan Harmon would be the first one to go, oh yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, but it was kind of cool to hear that, like. And you're both oh. younger than I am. By the yeah. way, oh. so there you go. All I mean, right. So as as Aunt Jackie, I don't know. I'll play Beyonce's white aunt. Old oh, white, weird, okay. I don't care. So, uh, but yeah, but so that was so you grew up playing D anD D. Yeah. But on like the set of Star Trek. No, this was collided. way, way, way before Star Trek. I Even started. Before- I got my first exposure to Dungeons and Dragons uh, around 1982, 1983. Okay. Uh, and it was with the Red Basic box set. That uh, uh, TSR had put out into like toy stores and everything. Okay. And my great aunt got it for me. And the Christmas that I got it, I was actually really disappointed because all my cousins got like Nintendo Game and Watch. Yeah. And uh, so- somebody got um, uh, the 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 Merlin puzzle game thing. Oh, I saved up and, and I got that Coleco uh, football game that year. That was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, the Coleco football game super in- intimidated me. Uh, I was pretty good at um, the Mattel Electronics um, football one. Okay. Uh, but the Coleco one was really hard because you could pass, and I you know oh, I didn't I, I couldn't know, do it was that. Kind of. Okay. 
Okay. But I felt like super ripped off. I was like, oh, this is a book and Books? like, where's the game? Yeah. And then I, and, and she said, they say this is a game for people who like to use their imaginations and you've got such a great imagination. I thought you would like it. Okay. I was like, whatever. <laughs> and then I started reading it and, and just, I was, I was, I fell in love instantly. Like heroin. Like you yeah. were like in uh, from the get go. I was all in before I was had finished the first book. Ed, was this the two point oh? Was it before? This was uh, in between first edition and second edition. This okay. was so this rule set was was a little more accessible than AD and D. Okay, it had fewer charts and it didn't have to hit armor class zero, and it was more just sort of like um, roll d twenty. Apply a modifier, and then if you hit these, you know, yeah, fighters do d12 damage, clerics tend to do d10 Just damage, stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, okay, because I played uh 3.5, yes, and I play Pathfinder, and mm-hmm. I play um, and I play all of them because Andy Ashcraft uh has, has done what you have done. I think yeah. he got into AD&D or whatever, yeah, AD, AD&D actually sounds like uh. Something that they would give children uh, medic- medicine for now. Yeah, and uh, but the but so he's he's been playing forever, and my because I the Dork Force started, and I, I've always been a video game nerd, but yeah. I I was never a board game or um or tabletop game, uh, or pen and paper stuff until yeah. I met him because I didn't know what it was, right. you know, because Dungeons and Dragons I I got it mixed up with LARPing, right. which I also didn't do. Uh, and I thought that you'd dress up and go into the woods. So you sort of came to the whole role playing experience fairly, like, rel- relatively recently compared to, yeah. you know, in the eighties, cause LARPing didn't exist. Like, well, actually back then the only LARPing really was like Society for Creative Anachronism. Right. And, um, and which was, in, which was terrifying and, 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 and weird. And remains to me. intense. Yeah. And, and event, somebody on SCA, I mean, my buddy Lee is in SCA. Yeah. But he has actually left it. For yeah. like a decade yeah. and then gone back to it because he's like, I need a break from you enormously committed humans. You and- know, I kind of want to learn how to do like soft sword combat. Okay. So like buffer now. And yeah. Like now buffer combat. Yeah. Now there's two kinds of LARP because Andy has always LARPed and yeah. like the early eighties, uh, it's, it was more theater LARP. It was before yeah. LARP was a real thing, I guess. Yeah. And he's got some buddy of his who's, who runs Starship Valkyrie. Uh, and it's once a month and you pay 20 bucks and you get to be a part of a crew on a starship. Uh, and, uh, and I was the doctor one time. Very exciting. Yeah. And, uh, I usually do craft services. Yeah. Andy has run three Sandman LARPs with oh, over 40 people at oh, each one. Oh man. And for, that sounds amazing. It was, I was the first, the Sandman, the wake was the first oh, one I went to. Oh my God. <laughs> right. <gasps> right. And it was oh, I have for reals goosebumps thinking about that. <laughs> right. It is cool. Me and Maria Bamford uh, did uh, craft services for us. Oh, it. that sounds so cool. And so they, we got to play like sort of NPCs and yeah. they would give us small parts. Yeah. And, and Maria actually, blew, they still talk about it because she, uh, everybody had, they didn't know who was going to die. It wasn't necessarily going to be Dream. Yeah. So uh, they wrote, everybody wrote, uh, different people wrote one act, tiny one act plays. Yeah. Of the death of each of the different endless, right? Yeah. So Maria played the death of desire. So she yeah. played apathy. And they oh, still talk about man. Maria Bamford's performance of apathy. Because I would have thought of it when you said Maria Bamford, I thought she'd be such a great delirium. Oh, she would be a great delirium or death oh, yeah. or. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. She, but she played apathy to, uh, my buddy, our friend Jim Keller's, uh, Desire, yeah, and that was his death scene. <laughs> That's incredible, <laughs> right? Yeah. and then we and then and we had, but there were theater more. Like the one that we had here at the house for about a year, once every mo- couple of months was a, a Deadwood LARP. Yeah, and that was, I bet a lot of cocksucker in that, right? A lot of cocksucker, a lot of the N word. Yeah, where I was like, you're gonna need to move your your uh, Union soldier bar into my garage because we have neighbors and i know yeah. you're in character right but keep it to f- fucking other together yeah, uh, yeah we're trying to we're trying to build a relationship with these people <laughs> <laughs> you know i really wanted to like deadwood and i could not get pat like i couldn't get past the language not because i'm prude but because right. it just it it felt that shakespearean like, part it, of it or the or the cursing all, all the cursing like okay. every fifth word being cocksucker felt so it just, it kept pulling me out. It just kept yanking me out of the story and I right. couldn't commit to it. And at the, at that time, right. 
I'm like, at that time, I'm watching The Wire for the first time, and I'm watching Sons of Anarchy for the first time, and I'm watching, so like, and I'm watching Breaking Bad, and it's yeah. like, well, you know, I, I'm running out of discretionary time, <laughs> but I feel like it's one of those things that, yeah. like, I feel like I've, I've made a bad choice. <laughs> oh, right. But you know, the great thing about, <laughs> it's out there. Right. And, and I was never able to, Andy loved it start to finish. I thought it was a little dark, a little yeah. mean. Yeah. Like Breaking Bad. I have Rangers of the Dark Forest know this about me. I watched the first season of The Wire and yeah. I was like, this isn't going to end well. Yeah. I'm good. Breaking Bad, third, three seasons. Yeah. And then when What's His Face got a girlfriend, I was like, oh, it's going to all work out. And then What's His Face's girlfriend gets killed. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, we're done now. Yeah. And so I don't, it's not, I don't need to watch Super Friends. Right. I just, but there has to be redemption. I'm a giant fan of, it can be dark. Yeah. But there has to be, like I, I've never seen The Godfather two. I saw The oh, Godfather. Man. But The Godfather two no, no. is really good. They are amazing. They're. Yeah. I know that they're well done. I know that they're well written. I know that they're amazing. I would, and I've and I've said this before. I would rather live through Godfather two yeah. than watch Godfather. It just it drives me nuts when the bad decisions are being made. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh my god, two lateral steps and this wouldn't happen. Has anyone presented to you this idea? <laughs> okay. Yes, please. In, in Breaking Bad. Okay. Walter White is not the hero, right? Mm -hmm. Like he is, he's the villain. Right. He's absolutely the villain. He's a POV character, but he's the villain. Jesse Pinkman is the character who is the hero, who, who is the hero who, who needs, who, who needs and eventually gets redemption. Does he, now I forget, then guys, if, uh, this is going to be a spoiler moment, uh, something that's been available for five years. So yeah. get over it. Uh, I, th I've been told about the last episode. Yeah. And I tried to get back into it when yeah. the, uh, because everyone was like, it's amazing and get back into it. But it, uh, it was hard. But the last, so I know that Walter may or may not die. Isn't it right. that? Isn't it unclear? Well, so but there's a couple, Jesse there's, live? there's a, yeah, Jesse gets out. Okay. And there's, there's a couple of, there's a couple of theories that are actually very interesting to me. The one that I, that I really like that Vince Gilligan has said is actually not right. Okay. Um, <laughs> is, is that the penultimate episode is actually how it ends. The okay. last episode, like the series ends with, with Walt being, he's like in a bar. Yeah. Right. And, and we know that he's dying. We know that he's got cancer. We know that he's dying right. and he's in a bar and he, and he has realized that Everything that he like, kind of all the justifications he made for like why he was doing this, they're all bullshit. And right. he wasn't doing this stuff because he loves his family. Like that was a convenient reason. Like he loved the power and he loved being good at something. And you right. know, he loved people being afraid of him. He loved feeling like empowered by all that. Yeah. And he, um, he, so he does, uh, in this, in the second to last episode, which I think is called Ozymandias, which I think is the perfect title for the episode. He goes to, um, this bar. Okay. And he's like making his decision and like, what's he going to do? And like, where's he going to go? And the last shot of that episode is his whiskey glass with a napkin on it. Like maybe he's coming back for the whiskey, but he's just All not right. there anymore. Right. All right. And then, uh, and then he's, and then he's gone. And, and at the beginning, and, and that is, I think a fantastic place to end that I actually loved the ending of the Sopranos. I really yeah. like, I really liked that. It puts me as an audience member in the emotional place of the, of the, the POV character, which is, I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, right. I will live the rest of my life. Like at the end of the Sopranos, they will live the rest of their lives wondering if that guy walking into the bathroom is coming out with a gun. Yeah. Is that person in the car next to me going to shoot me? Yeah. Is my car going to blow up when I turn it on? That's the rest of their <laughs> lives. Right. And I liked that as an audience member. Yeah. I was left. Having absolutely no idea what happened and every, like it could have been great or it could have been terrible. That was, I loved that. I didn't okay. feel, I did not feel that it was a cop out. Now, I don't, I don't think it's a cop out. I think that it's a, it's a, and it's a conscious choice that I respect. But did you ever read a, uh, a short story from the 1800s called The Lady or the Tiger? No. Oh my God. That is exactly what that is. It's about, uh, it's a love, it's a couple in love. Yeah. She's the daughter of the king. He is, um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing anyone yelling at their iPod. Uh, so, uh, and, and he's just a peasant or whatever. She falls yeah. in love. The king says, well, you can't have him. And she's like, but I, I, it'll kill me not to have him. I love him so much. And she's like, okay, do you love him? So then they're in an arena and he says, how much do you love him? Behind one of those doors is another woman. He can live out his life 
in love with that woman for the rest of his life. Yeah. And the other one is a tiger that will maul him and kill him. Um, tell him which one to open. And she does. And he goes to the door she picked for him. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the story. Yeah. Which one did, did she love him enough to let him go to another woman or did she love him so much? No one else could have him. And she I, had to, I, and, lo- I love that. And yeah. I love, I love that it empowers me as the reader to make that decision. Right. If, if presuming that, so what, I always this, pick the lady. I, I, I think that, that are, that are really, you pick the lady or the tiger, though. Uh, without okay. knowing, without knowing their without whole story, I, I can't, I can't say. But that's what's so cool about it. Right. The I tell people when when we're playing games, mm-hmm. never give up the joy of playing the game in pursuit of winning the game. Never sacrifice the journey to get to the destination. Right. That is. That I never played tabletop games until I met Andy. Right. Yeah. So when he was like, "Oh, we're gonna go have a board game night," and I was like, "I'm the youngest of six. Yeah. And I said, I hate board games. I yeah. hate them with the power of the sun. And he said, that's because you play sibling rules. Yeah. Where if you don't forget, if you forget to do something, you don't get to do it. Uh, with my friends, I've been playing with them for over 20 years. Yeah. And we have weeded that guy out. Yeah. So, uh, so, same in my group. Right. He's like, everyone wants to win, but no one cares if they win. Yeah. So they just want everyone to have a good time and to play yeah. and to have fun playing the game. So, and not long ago, one of, one of his best friends, Judy, Phil Adler, their son Bernard was five years old and I, uh, they were playing a game and so I sat down to play, uh, Candyland. With uh-huh. them. So Judy comes over and says, how's it going? And I said, he's winning. He's winning and I'm not letting him win or anything. And he was five and she mm-hmm. goes, please, please do not let him win. He's going to be playing games for the next 70 years. He's going to learn how to lose. <laughs> it's not going to kill him. Yeah. He's going to play this game at least a hundred more times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that makes so much more sense. Yeah, because I would rather. Yeah, I would. I would play games with you because I. I can't. If someone gets like, if they're it, it's uh men min maxing their character drives me crazy. Right, all those terms that I never knew drives what they me nuts. Were. Completely misses the point of why you're doing it. Yeah, let's just screw around and play in a, <clears throat> yeah. in a fantasy world and yeah. play a cool game. Yeah, I. It is just as satisfying for me to be really like to to lose a good game as it is to win a good game. <laughs> Yeah. Because I feel like, well, look, I brought my best. Right. And, and your best was, was better than my best. Okay. Right. Maybe next time my best will be better than your best. Right. But as that relates to that story. Yeah. That story's not about the ending. That story is about the journey of it. And, and I, I like that. Sort I mean, when, when slice I was. Of life part of it or just watching that person live that, their lives? That, or? that, that, the, the story of the lady and the tiger is yeah. very much about her having to make that decision and and getting into the, her psychology and 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 what why does she love him so much and what way does she love him and right. how and, and without what way should people and, love and, other people and by letting the reader make the decision for which door is opened i yeah. actually really like that yeah. uh, i have never felt like things need to be all wrapped up it drives me crazy when something falls apart in the third act okay. when they when they bail on the promise of the premise or they okay. just get you know they get where lazy they don't know where they're going or they or... don't know where they're going or they go oh no we have to end this right right that drives me nuts that is hard um and actually without the second to last episode of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. I would have been really disappointed in the last episode. Okay. So there's a theory that Walt actually dies. Yeah. And the last episode takes place within the like those like few moments of of his of his life slipping away. Yeah. As because basically everything he ever wanted happens in the last episode. He sets up his family. He gets back at the people who he feels have wronged him. He sets Pinkman <laughs> free, and then okay. he and then he dies before the police can arrest him. And in the right. script, it says the police come in, but Walt, but but he's but 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 Walt is dead. Heisenberg got away. It's yeah. a beautifully written ending, right? Yeah. But it, I would have felt like, oh my god, it's such fan service. Like, and it's oh, exactly right. everything. Everything worked out well. It should not work out well for him. He's the villain. Right. So without, and I, and I, I know that Vince has said that's the end and that's yeah. great, you know, and, and, and I think it's really cool that there are two equally satisfying endings that we can kind of, but you that know I, it. that I think that we can choose from. And I, I like art that does that. I like art that challenges me and, and like, and that involves me. I don't want something that holds my hand and, and just kind of walks me through everything. I, right. I want to work for it a little bit. I, I believe that everything worth doing is hard. Okay. And, and that can even be 
getting through a museum and like appreciating the stuff that's there and like right. kind of figuring out like what's that about, you know? Okay. Like I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that I don't know. I I will think about that because um I know that for me like to watch The Wire and to watch Breaking Bad and yeah. to see even like Sons of Anarchy and stuff, you're like okay, I I know those dirtbags. Yeah. I don't want to hang out with them in my free time. Sure. And I always want, like, whenever I go back to my hometown, which I love, I love South Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Everybody's, yeah. but some people didn't get out. Right. And you're, I just look at them and I'm like, seriously, like you could just leave. There's no, you can go get a job shoveling sand in any stupid town in the world. Right. Um, and I think there's the something weird about that. It's sad, right? It's yeah. sort of like, like, didn't you want something more? But then at the same time, Maybe they didn't, and they're fine with it. Right. And she lives across the hall from her mom, her mom, and they mm-hmm. get high together, and mm-hmm. they have, the, you know, they have an interest. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe she finally out. has the relationship with her mom that she always wanted that right. she ne- that she could never have. And maybe I edit out her last name. Maybe. Maybe you do that. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> sure. And uh, <laughs> not great. But, uh, okay, so this has been fascinating. This is a great rabbit hole, but I kind of wanted to talk because – I don't know anybody who brews beer. I know people who have hobbly, like as a hobby, yeah. hobbly, uh, has, have, have, have brewed some beer uh-huh. and then called it a day. Yeah. But you, uh, you got into it and you're, you actually have a kit, right? Don't you have a kit that you're I've, willing to say, go for this? Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, for the last couple of years, I worked with Northern Brewer. They're uh, an online home brewing supply. Okay. And I, I designed recipes and, okay. uh, uh, while the stocks, uh, while the stock lasts, you know, there, there's, there's now a fine, they're not making them anymore. There's a finite number of them left. Okay. But while these, but while the stock lasts, someone who wants to make, I, uh, uh, there's, there's two that are up, that are up right now. There's a, there's a, uh, Kind of a double IPA. Uh, it's about a eight and a half percent IPA that has a lot of uh, crystal caramel malt in it, so it has some sweetness to balance out the the hop bitterness. Okay. And that's called Vandalized PA. Okay. Um, yeah. Named in honor of my wife, who puts googly eyes on everything. Excellent. And then there's another one called Wootstout, which is <laughs> a beer that I made with the Stone Brewing Company, uh, with with Greg Cook and Drew Curtis from Fark, who Drew is also a candidate for governor in Kentucky right now. Okay. Um, and uh, that is an imperial Russian stout brewed with pecans and chocolate liquor and uh, 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 quarter aged in bourbon barrels, used bourbon barrels. And if you don't know how to brew beer. Can you buy that kit and it's make it? It's super easy. There's, it? yeah, it's super okay. easy. There's a, there's a recipe sheet that you just follow. And you just follow it yeah. and you are given sort of the ingredients to. Yeah, what, they all, what, they all come in, they all come in like a box. And no. you, and you can do it not just with mine. I mean, if you just want to do, like, let's yeah, say, any. yeah, you want to make, say you like the Sierra Nevada pale ale. Okay. Um, and you just want to make kind of like a West Coast style pale ale. Okay. Uh, that's like, let's see, that's a base malt, a specialty malt, probably two kinds of hops and five ingredients. Plus water. Okay. And, and it's just a matter of like following a recipe and putting them together the right way and, and you're done. Okay. So what, uh, where do you, you have to, uh, okay. Let's start, let's pretend I don't know anything about, uh, brewing beer because okay. I don't. Okay. Uh, all I know is that yeast is involved. Yeah. And that, and water. Yeah. That's it. Okay. What are the other ingredients? All right. What happens? Okay. So here's how you turn, basically making beer is the process of turning grain, and water into a fermented beverage. Okay. Okay. Barley is used to uh, as your primary ingredient. So what you're doing is you're looking for sugar that can be fermented, okay. right? And the sugar feeds the yeast. You get that sugar out of malted barley. And Okay. So you could take regular barley and malt and- it? You could. It's a lot easier to go to a store and buy, and buy it from someone who's barley. done it. Yeah. Fair enough. Because what they do is barley is put into a kiln. And then depending on the heat of the kiln and the time of the barley in the kiln, the barley itself changes. The lower uh, the temperature and the less time it's in there, the lighter the barley is. Think of it like putting toast in a toaster. Okay. Right? And then – so if you put toast in a toaster and you don't leave it in for very long, it's just going to make it kind of crunchy. It's not going to affect the flavor of the bread very much. Right. But if you leave it in there for a long time up until it gets burned, then it's going to very, very, very differently change the flavor of it. That's how killing barley works. Okay. To, and, to malt it. And when they kiln it – to malt it, mm-hmm. is it just barley and water? It's just barley that goes into the. It's kiln. not even. It's you know, not the even water comes. The water comes into the brewing process. So then, what okay. you do is you get all that grain, 
Yeah. Right. You, you get the amount of grain that you want to use and that varies from beer style to beer style. And there's different kinds of, uh, different levels of malting of the barley that you use. Right. And, um, that's, uh, that's unnecessarily technical. It doesn't matter. All you need to know is that you, you get a bunch of grain together okay. and you crush it. Yeah. Then you take all that crushed grain and you put it into something like a, a big, uh, in, 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 in brewing, like a big pot or a big bucket or a okay. cooler or something like that. Then you add water, hot water. And depending on the temperature of the water, different chains of sugar molecules will be extracted from the malted barley. Okay. If the water is on the cool side, sugar where the molecule chains are very long will come out. That sugar cannot be eaten by the yeast. It's called unfermentable sugar. That's what gives beer sweetness and body. Okay. Right? Then as the temperature gets a little bit higher the beer um the molecules get shorter and the yeast can actually eat those molecules and bite them off the chain okay. and and then they can ferment them and that is called fermentable sugar okay then so what you do is you you take that that grain and that water and you mix it all up and then you let it sit for a certain amount of time and that varies from beer to beer usually it's about an hour sometimes it's a little bit more okay all right let me uh so you have a a Malted barley, mm-hmm. you crush it, yep. you add water, and uh, depending on the heat of the water, you create essentially a fermented liquid from that. A fermentable liquid. A fermentable liquid. Yeah, okay. the fermentation doesn't happen until you put the yeast in, and that comes a little bit later. Okay, because now you're just water and barley. Right, okay. so now what you basically have is a very sweet, sugary liquid. Flavored liquid. Okay, uh-huh. got it. Uh, and it kind of, it kind of tastes like the water in oatmeal, I guess. Right. Um, and, uh. Jesus, uh, this is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then you, and then you collect all that, that liquid. You, you collect, drain, you sort you of drain, drain it. it. Okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then you, you collect it and, and there's a couple of other steps that aren't important, but you collect, you collect all that liquid and then that liquid goes into a kettle that's going to be boiled. Okay. Okay. Then you start, you turn on the heat. Mm-hmm. And the water eventually heats up and it starts to boil. Okay. Then when it starts to boil, and what you're doing by boiling it is you're killing any bacteria that might be in there. Okay. And you're also reducing the, 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 vol- the volume by boiling it off. And that's really important because as the liquid boils off, the sugar remains. Right. So, it's so just like any sauce, you're just yes. d- making it slightly more dense. Yeah. And okay. the more sugar in the liquid the more potential alcohol in the final beer. Okay. And that, and in brewing, we call that the, the gravity of the, of the beer. Okay. Um, so and how long so, does that usually, however long it takes to Most boil boils run about an hour. Okay. For certain, like beers that have higher gravity, like yeah. our Woot Stout is closer to 90 minutes, sometimes 120 minutes. It just okay. depends. Depends on, on, on a few factors like humidity and altitude. Yeah, exactly. So what you do in this process now is you start the water boiling and then you add hops. Hops are a flower that um is that they grow on a vine and hops have antibacterial properties in them and they have antimicrobial properties in them and they have like uh these little oil glands that have bitterness in them hops is what makes beer bitter is it a grain no it's a flower it's a flower hops yeah. are a flower hops are a flower they Got grow it. in they grow in little cones okay. and a brewer once pointed out to me that hops are in the same uh, uh, phylum as marijuana. Okay. So they have the same idea that the same fundamental without the psychoactive compounds, the same fundamental like bits of oil, um, and, uh, and the same kind of like soporific effect that there's, there's a similarity oh, okay. in, in them. So and do when they you grow, have they always grown in the hops is a kind of flower. It's yeah, a hops is a vine. hops is a vine. It's a vine. Uh huh. And they grow all over the place. And depending on where in the world they grow, they get different characteristics. Right. Right. So, okay. Hops that grow in America, typically in the Pacific Northwest, tend to have like a, an aroma that's kind of like a, a pine needles, a little bit like pine trees. Okay, um, kind of like bees and different kinds of honey. It, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Okay, but it just uh, so there's different kinds of hops, but they're all hops. Yeah, 
And then the different hops come from, they come from depending, it, it depends on things like soil and climate and, and things like that. Hops that are grown in, uh, Europe, typically in Germany, Bavaria, Czechoslovakia, those hops sure. tend to be very neutral. They don't have a lot of flavor to them. If anything, their flavor might be a little grassy. Okay. Uh, but it's very, very, very mild. Those are called noble hops because they don't have like a lot of intense flavor. Okay, so they're not going to affect what you're doing with the rest of your ingredients, right? And that, and that's because traditional beer making styles in in that part of the world tended to put the flavor emphasis on the yeast rather than on the hops. Well, Um, how much hops do you put into the in a five gallon uh, batch of home brewed beer? uh, A typical like pale ale probably has like between one and a half and three ounces of okay. hops in it. And, uh, a, an IPA probably has between three and five. It just depends. Okay. So what happens is you start boiling your, 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 your liquid and you put, you put hops in, right? Yeah. The first hops, those are called additions. The first hops addition you make imparts a great deal of bitterness to the beer because while it's boiling, the oils that are in the hop flour, they isomerize and they kind of like start to bind themselves to what's in the water. But the boiling allows some of the like uh, flavor and aroma to boil off, leaving behind this thing called an alpha acid, which is what gives hops their bitterness. Different types of hops have different levels of alpha acids in them. So, for example, a hop like the Simcoe variety uh, has a lot of alpha acids in it, so it can be very bitter. But then a hop like um, – uh, I don't know, like Czech saws has significantly less. It's okay. not, it's not going to be nearly as bitter. And then you put in those hops additions at different stages. The first hops addition you make is going to make your hop is, is going to add bitterness to your beer. And then the second hop addition you make, cause it's a little bit later, it's a bit, a little bit closer to when you finish the boil. That hops addition is going to add some hop flavor. So that's where the the region that your hops come from starts to really matter because if you want a citrusy beer, yeah. like the Deschutes Fresh Squeezed beer, which has a real citrus flavor to it, then you would probably want to put in some hops that are from America or New Zealand or something like that. And then the very last hops addition you make is your aroma addition. And aroma is a huge component of taste, right? Okay, yeah. So because that goes in last, it boils off the least – so it, it sort of steeps in, uh, in the, in the beer. This is called wort now in the beer okay. wort. Okay. And, uh, and then you finish your boil, you turn it off. Right. Turn the thing off. Then you want to cool that liquid from boiling to room temperature as fast as you can. Uh, and what you do is you, you get you sort of, you make a whirlpool in your beer, right? Okay. You spin, you sort of spin it all around, right? Yeah. And then, the hot, the pieces of hops that are in your beer, the little bits of grain that are left over, they all sort of gather up in the middle of it, right? Yeah. And then they kind of just sit there. And then you gently, after it's cooled down, right, uh, to around 80 degrees, okay. you gently drain it into a, uh, a like homebrewers use buckets. Okay. Uh, or like glass carboys, like, you know, from like a sparklets sort of situation, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that shape or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, uh, uh, when, when all of that is done, you like stir it up with a spoon or you, or you, you add oxygen to it because boiling like kills oh, okay. oxygen molecules. Yeah, right? yeah. You add a bunch of oxygen back into it in, in one of a, a number of different ways. And then you put yeast in and yeast comes either in vials or in little packets. It just depends. There's different styles. Regular yeast? No. No, beer yeast. Beer yeast. Yeah. You don't use bread yeast. Okay. I mean, you, I mean, you could, but it wouldn't, it It'd would be... not be nearly as viable and it wouldn't taste as good. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> um, different weird. strains of yeast do different types of flavor. Okay. And this is one of the most fascinating things about beer making for me is that I could use the exact same grains, the exact same hops, and two different kinds of yeast, and I'm going to get beer that tastes two massively different ways. Weird. Because what happens is the yeast go, you know, yeast are these like single-celled organisms, and you dump about a billion cells into a <laughs> – into a do a thing, right. right? But they're microscopic, right? Right, they're so tiny. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's about the size of like maybe one and a half sweet and low packets. Okay, right. Um, and you dump it in, and then they sort of like they they they're dormant, right? But right. then the cells kind of wake up, 
And the cells like go, all right, sugar, let's have a party. And they start eating that sugar. They absorb the sugar and then they bud new cells. Yeah. And while that goes, they absorb that. They eat the sugar and then they their waste is carbon dioxide and ethyl alcohol. And those two things are given off through the, the budding and process yeah. of the yeast. And it takes anywhere from four to ten days, depending on what style you're making. Oh. And, and the yeast, they just keep doing this over and over and over again. And they replicate themselves over and over and over again until a point where they – basically they've created so much alcohol that they get drunk and go to sleep. Oh. <laughs> and then they – and that's called flock – that's called flocculation. They all okay. fall down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And once that happens as a brewer, um, you then collect that fermented liquid, which is now beer. Yeah. And you put it into bottles yep. or you put it into a keg. Okay. Um, you, uh, you, you mix in a little bit of, uh, corn sugar to wake up the, ti- like the tiny little bit of yeast that's still kind of in the liquid from yeah. when you poured it in. The yeast will sort of, eat a little bit will eat that a little bit. Okay. And then it carbonates it in the bottle or in the keg. Oh. And, uh, and then probably. I was gonna ask about the carbonation. Yeah. It's, okay. So wait, so you've now made a kettle of beer. Mm-hmm. You've made a kettle of beer. And now you put in the yeast and it, you pour it into a, you're, it's in a bucket now, right? Yeah. That's, and then you seal up the bucket and yeah. you wait and 10 the, days? Mostly, yeah. You put a thing called a, called a, uh, an airlock, which is a two piece plastic thing that has like a tube that comes up and then there's a little plastic hat that sits on top of it and you fill it up with, uh, purified water or some people use a high proof vodka or something like that. Okay. And what happens, and then there's a lid on top of that whole device. And what happens is carbon dioxide can bubble out through that, but nothing can go back in. Okay. Because of the way that the little hat falls down on the on the the top of the, it's like a valve thing. to sort of bleed it's off. It's like it's sort of like a one way. The... Yeah, yeah. That's that's a much more succinct way of describing it. It's a <laughs> yeah. So it's like a, a one way valve that okay. lets that lets the carbon dioxide escape, so it doesn't blow up. Right. Um, right. And uh, I think that's a problem yeah. when you put it in the bottles too. Isn't <laughs> sometimes it? it is. Yeah. yeah. Very rarely, but sometimes. Um, and then there's some there's a thing called fermenting under pressure, where you put where your fermentation happens in a vessel that can actually endure that kind of pressure. So the beer is actually carbonating itself while it's fermenting. That's what a lot of commercial brewers do because like it reduces- giant rice cooker? Sort of. Okay. Um, it sort of like reduces the amount of time that, that has oh. to elapse between the beginning of fermentation and the packaging of the beer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So once you've started, anywhere from three to five weeks, mm-hmm. you've got beer that you made. And then once you've made that one beer, yeah. like, cause it sounded like you could mix different barleys. Uh huh. And is that, is, cause what, what we, what we have just gone through. Yeah. We have made one kind of beer, right? right. And yeah. it's a very basic sort of pale ale, right? Yeah. Okay. So if you wanted to do use two different kinds of barleys with yeah. two, and, and then would you, where, would you mix them in the, before the, when the yeast was going to happen? No, you would do that before you soak them in water. That's called the mash. Oh, okay. So, so for example, You're if I... making two different barleys. Yeah, you put them all, you put all, okay. the, all together at the same time. If I'm going to make a pale ale, it's going to be mostly uh, just like two-row barley okay. and probably like maybe some crystal 20 malt or something like that, which okay. is sort of like a very lightly toasted, caramelly kind of malt that just gives it a little bit of color and a little bit of flavor. Okay. If I'm going to make a stout yes. or a porter, then I'm going to use two-row barley, a lot of two-row barley as my as my base malt. But then I'm going to add, I'm going to add, definitely going to add like some patent malt, which is almost like almost a burnt black kind of malt. I might add some chocolate malt, which isn't chocolate. It's just that chocolate refers to the color, not the okay. flavor. I, um, I might even add like some caramel 90 or some caramel 120 or something like that. So these are all barley malts that uh, look like those things. Yeah. And uh, so, and are they different barleys grown different places? I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't know precisely they where they're grown. I mean, I, it's, I, I, it's, it's, it is generally all two row barley and it is the, the different colors of it and the different like flavor profiles of it right. are really dependent upon how it's malted. Okay. Then there's also, there's, there's a few other things too. You can use rye, you can use wheat. 
Um, right. There's there's some malt that can be smoked. What so about it gets, gluten? Fr- oh, that it gets. Uh, you can use like a, 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 a smoked malt that kind of, you know, gives it that smoky flavor. That's how Stone makes their smoked porter. Okay. Um, you cannot make a gluten-free beer normally unless you use like rice or sorghum and it's awful and it just tastes terrible. Yeah, what? Um, yeah, what? My, I mean, my little sister has celiac disease, so she can't drink beer, but she, yeah. so she sometimes drinks this like rice beer and I just think it's gross. Like it's awful. <laughs> like, like it's, that's, that's not might, good. Now is, is wine? Naturally gluten free. What's what, uh, what is the booze of choice for the gluten? Um, usually, like whiskeys work. Okay. Um, or uh, ciders. Wait, it doesn't whiskey have grain in it, or is that I'm thinking of grain alcohol and moonshine? Um, yeah, it does, uh, but something about the process of it, I guess, is okay, different. Can, I'm can, not can free it up. Yeah, um, tequila, vodka, rum. You know, there's anything that's derived from fruits or other starches or something like okay. that. Okay, but there is at the moment there is a uh, there's an enzyme that a company called White Labs releases, and White Labs primarily grows yeast, and uh, and I buy a lot of my yeast from them. But they have a, a clarifying agent um, that so this is the thing that you put into your fermenter, and what it does is it's a, a bunch of proteins, okay. and, and the proteins attach themselves to uh, molecules that are left over in the beer after you've you've brewed it while it's fermenting. Oh, right. And it makes it heavier than everything that's in the beer, and it all falls down to the bottom of the tank, and you just pull it out, and it's not there anymore. But uh, that was originally developed to make the beer look clear, so it looked pretty. So it, t- oh, right. it, pull, it pulls out proteins and okay. things like that. And it wants to, cause you want your, your, your pails and your loggers and things. You want to be able to see through them. You don't want them to look like chunky, you know? Cloudy and yeah, yeah. cloudy or whatever, right? And, and, uh, if it does look cloudy, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the flavor or anything right. like that. Uh, it's just sort of like visually unappealing to people, right. I guess. <laughs> right. But some, they were running some tests on it and they, f- they found that this particular clarifying agent also bound to the gluten molecules that were left in oh, wow. in, in the beer wort, right? And they did some tests. And the amount of gluten is expressed in parts per billion was less in beer made with barley okay. that was treated with this like totally natural enzyme okay. than in the beers that are specifically like made to not have any gluten in it at all, right? Like there's okay. from Weiss or Sorghum or whatever like that. Yeah, and yeah. Stone sells a beer called Delicious IPA mm-hmm. that is there. By law, they have to call it gluten reduced. Okay. Um, because but, there's probably still trace minerals or stuff? A little, little bit. I mean, yeah, but there's there's always going to be a little bit, but it's even less than in the specifically gluten-free beers. So um, anyone listening to this who has celiac disease should talk and to their doctor. Yep. But they should definitely talk to their doctor and oh, definitely, you know, like don't don't take my word for it. But, yeah. but anecdotally, I do have friends who have celiac disease who drink Stone's Delicious IPA, which I love, by the way. It's a magnificent IPA, okay. and, they don't, and they don't have any trouble at all. Okay. Yeah, uh, that actually, that disclaimer, that goes with everything, man. If, uh, if I have told you to watch a movie, see your doctor. Go talk to your doctor I can't, about it. Uh, yeah. I, I cannot be held responsible yeah. for the fact that you saw Ant-Man and didn't <laughs> right. like it because you're made of stone. Anyway. <laughs> Ask your doctor if watching Daredevil on Netflix is right for you. <laughs> Exactly. It's, uh. Watching the second season of Heroes may lead to irrational anger and feelings of betrayal. Rage! Full of rage! <laughs> if your rage lasts for four episodes or longer, please, please talk to your doctor. <laughs> right. Did you have problems with Lost? I understand people had problems with Lost. Yeah. Talk to your doctor. And, uh, Lost was the show that, that, um, taught me that it was okay to break up with bad TV. You go. I yeah. have a whole I have a whole piece in my stand up set about how you break up with bad TV. Excellent. Like, like listen, it's not it's not them, it's you. <laughs> it, you know, it's not it's not its fault. Right. You had you had a great season together. It was amazing, <laughs> but it's just it's really time for you to go see other people. I have to tell you that uh, I had the hardest. I I can't remember the first book that I was like, no, no, I'm not finishing you. I don't yeah. need to know. I don't need to know how it works out because this is so poorly written. You know, the math problem that I figured out for me was 50 pages. No, sorry. Yeah, 50. No. 50 to 100 pages or okay. one hour, whichever comes first. Okay. I'll give a book that. There are a couple of authors get extra time for me just because I know their style. Dan Simmons um, gets the, more than that. Da Vinci Code guy? No, no, that's Dan Brown. Dan Brown. <laughs> Dan, like, Dan, Simmons, Dan Simmons wrote Hyperion and the Terror. Oh, and, Hyperion, the Shrike. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I read yeah. the first Hyperion and I was like, oh, this isn't going to end well. I got to go. It's uh, so good. I bet you it's so pretty amazing. great. <laughs> as, as a father, that story just wrecked me. I bet. Um, and, uh, so he gets a little longer. Neil Stevenson gets a little longer, but, oh, yeah. but, but they're guys that I love and trust. So like, yes. you know, if they're taking their time, I know, but they earned that over time. You know right. What I mean? Well, and that, that is the thing. It's, yeah. uh, that's, um, Cage Baker gets that with me, which is yeah. she wrote, uh, science fiction, the company series. Yeah. And there's only there's a finite number of books because she passed away, but there's one book that was a it was a fantasy book yeah. and they're out of they were written out of order. Weirdly enough she That's wrote That's always a weird choice. Yeah. And so I read the second one first and I was like, what is this world? Yeah. And then I read the 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 first the first one she wrote, I read that one first, and then yeah. the second one she wrote which was Explained the World, I read that second and I was like well, now I need to read the first one again so that yeah. I know what the hell happened. I and, read Prelude to Foundation after I read Foundation, and I oh, really wow. didn't like Prelude to Foundation. No. I, I just like this could have started with Foundation, and like you, yeah, you were yeah. right the first time. Yeah, yeah, you were correct. <laughs> you were really was, okay. You, yeah. you did not need this. You did not need a, a prequel to this. That always feels. It always feels like a, a publisher choice, quite honestly, yeah. where you're like, uh, keep writing. Uh, I think it was uh, Anne McCaffrey. If if your characters are dying of old age, uh, please stop writing the series because it means you've gone too far. Same with Lois McMaster Bujol and Anne McCaffrey. I was like, you don't have to kill the Harper. Harper lives forever for me. And uh, so, (laughs) but uh, I don't know. They might do it to J.K. Rowling as well. And uh, so. Yeah, like, uh, I. I love Harry Potter so much. Mm-hmm. I love those books. I wish those books had existed when I was a little boy because the fundamental message of, of, of the first few books of that series are like, hey, are you a weird person who doesn't fit in anywhere? Do people yeah. make fun of you because of who you are? Do you try real hard to fit in and you still can't? Guess what? There's a place where what makes you weird here actually makes you awesome. And everybody's going to love that. Right. And you're going to meet other people like you and you're going to belong. Oh my God, I needed that so badly when I was a little kid and I never, I never got it. Right. Until you were an adult and you found your people. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that is true. Except for that I will say this is the kid that I babysat. I used to do childcare when I first moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. It was one of my day jobs. Yeah. And the kid that I babysat for turned 11 and she had, she was then the Harry Potter books were still coming out. Yeah. And so I think we were on like the fourth or fifth book at graveyard game, the fifth one. And she turns 11 and she sobs uncontrollably that there's no letter for her. Oh, and I was like, I get it. Oh, you think you, you think she was yeah. like, I don't want to be a muggle. And you're like, I get nobody it. wants to be a muggle and you're not, it's not that. It's exactly yeah. what you said it is, which is eventually you will find your weirdos and you will have a community and it'll be great. And now she's a perfectly nice, uh, well-adjusted 26 year old who has, uh, plenty, plenty of friends. I was at a, I was at a convention and someone said, this was misdelivered. I think it's for you. And they gave me a Hogwarts letter. Oh, cool. <laughs> and I, and I, I burst into tears because I was so oh, excited. That is, that's Cause pretty... I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like there it was. Yeah. Yeah. At, at... See my monster book of monsters. Oh, that's great. If you pull his tongue, he makes a noise. <gasps> and uh, that's my wand on the second That's <laughs> amazing. I know. Uh, and then I have all the British ones in hardcover, but I also have the British ones in paperback. If you want to borrow them people and then give them back to me, but you can't um, borrow the hardcovers. My friend Kaylee Cuoco, who I work on the Big Bang Theory with, yeah. is, she loves Harry Potter. Um, yeah. and I'm really proud to be the person who introduced her to Harry Potter. I introduced Chris Hardwick to Harry Potter. Oh, right on. Yeah. That's great. I was the one. Um, uh, so let, yes, yeah, so she, uh, is the, she dipped? The Is books, she on board? 100%. <laughs> I just wrapped a show that'll air in about three weeks from now. and uh, Yeah, this I will was, go up in probably November. So uh, Yeah, so this will be on some – I think my episode will be on before the end of November. Oh, cool. Um, and she was uh, – so we were on the set and I said, um, hey, have you been to Harry Potter World yet? And she goes, what do you mean? You haven't been to Harry Potter World? And I said, I no. I been she, to Harry Potter World. She, she said, it's it's the most amazing thing. And I said <sighs> – did you go and did you get a wand? And she goes, yeah, you can go into the shop and a wand will choose you. <laughs> you know what? You, Alexandra. 
Yeah. Alexander, uh, she dorked out many episodes ago yeah. about Harry Potter world. Alexander's my assistant for people who are coming to this who don't listen to Jackie's yes. podcast but have like seen me talk about this. Yeah. So well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, Alex loves Klimovich? it. Uh, yeah. 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 Come on, Al- pronounce- yeah. Yeah. Just- Alex loves Harry Potter as much as I do. And, uh. She was great. She was, yeah. uh, she was in the right safe space. She yeah. chose correctly. Yeah. Holy smokes. My talk- family, there's four of us in my family. Yep. And all four Hogwarts houses are represented. Interesting. Um, what do you what do you consider uh, yourself? Um uh we've all been properly sorted by the sorting hat. That's right. Uh so um I am Ravenclaw. Nice. My my son Nolan is Slytherin. Okay. My son Ryan is Gryffindor, which is amazing because Ryan and Harry Potter have the exact same birth date. July, July 31st, 1989. <laughs> the exact same birth date. Oh wow. Date. Yeah. And uh, and my wife Anna is Hufflepuff. Okay. Neat. Yeah, it's really great. So I have four banners hanging in my game room. Did you do that at Potter Potter Pottermore.com. Pottermore.com. Yeah. That's where the real sorting happens. That's the real sorting happens. I yeah. feel like I did it, but I can't remember. Oh, I sleep my in Raven, fandom fell away. I sleep in Ravenclaw pajamas. Uh that is adorable. <laughs> and uh <laughs> And I wear Ravenclaw ties as often as I can. Oh, that is great. Yeah. That is uh the, by the way, uh it's I'm talking to Will Wheaton, by the way. Willwheaton.net and at Will W. And, uh, you know what I have never listened to, but I've wanted to listen to? Cause I read it and then I had him on the Dork Forest was Ernie Klein, Ready Player oh, One. Oh, Ernie's awesome. He was so, he brought his DeLorean. Yeah. Cause it was a live episode in, yeah. uh, Austin. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I read his, it is, I describe it to people as, this is not complete. This is not, it, but it is an effective way to get people to read it. Yeah. Which is, it's a hunger game for 40 year old nerds. That's super true. It's, yeah. it's, there's no reason not to, not, not to dive in. It's a, it, it reads, uh, quickly. It is a wonderful book and yeah. it has a amazing heart and good action. I so, did the audiobook. And you did the audiobook, which is what everyone always tells me. Yeah. Uh, had you read it before? No, I didn't. I asked Ernie, do I need to read this before? And he's like, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> I think you should. And I said, I just, I feel like I'm so familiar with I know this character so well, and I'm so. F- I read the first few chapters. And I okay, like, I, I was like, I get this, and I thought, I think there needs to be a point of view, a sense of wonder that comes out of Wade as this stuff is happening. Yeah, and I feel like because he's so constantly surprised by so many awesome things. Oh my god! I said, because, I, I, said yeah. I, I, I said, I feel that as as a as an actor, I mean, I could. I could act that. Sure. Or I could genuinely experience it. Right. When the reveals happen. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was a risky choice, but it, but it paid off. Well, you can always do another take. I mean, the thing is, yeah, Yeah, that's, that's true. It's like you read it and you're like, what the hell just happened? And, uh, and then you could, I mean, if it hadn't worked, but, but you can only get that surprise once. Yeah. So that's an int- that's a fascinating choice. Ernie has a great spoken word record uh, of slam <laughs> of slam poetry called yes. Ultraman is Airwolf, which is actually how I discovered him. Yeah, um, I heard him do a thing about how you know the eighties were what it was like when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, I submitted it to Fark um, in like two thousand two or something like that. Yeah, and it blew up. Yeah, and it kind of like elevated Ernie's visibility. Right. To a point where, like, people start paying attention Magoo. to him. You're a helper That's what you are. Yeah. I mean, I've, I... You want to use your powers for good? I do. I feel like yeah. I have a limited amount of time and I have a limit, I, I have a li- limited amount of time to, like, do something with my life and I have a limited amount of time where people are going to pay attention to whatever comes out of my mouth. Right. And I feel <laughs> like there's, you know, I'm not going to solve the climate crisis by myself. I'm not going to solve the violence crisis by myself. I'm not right. going to like magically make people tolerant by myself, but I can over time maybe just spread a little bit more awesome stuff in the world. Yeah. And, if you point people and, towards and, stuff and just that try is... to try to do something good with what I've been given. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's nothing wrong with any of That's awesome. Yeah. The pop screens on this thing. I just a- I just added a pop filter to my setup at home yeah. for uh, for my podcast. I do two podcasts. I do a podcast called Radio Free Burrito, right, which lives at radiofreeburrito.com. Yep. And I do a podcast with my friend Mikey Newman called TV Crimes, a podcast of oh shit, a podcast of <laughs> cinematic justice. Okay. Um, and what is and the logline? So hey. so yeah, I couldn't remember what the logline was. Um, but so TV Crimes is a, is a thing that Mikey and I do. We watch. TV shows from like the seventies to about the nineties. Okay. Uh, and then we recap them. 
Yeah. And then we put them on trial for whatever their crime was. And we make, uh, and we, we pitch the crime to each other, mm-hmm. right? We pitch the charges to each other. And then whoever is not pitching is the judge and jury. Okay. And then we decide, you know, and we declare what it's, like what its sentence is going to be. And so what shows have you done? Thunder in Paradise. Never the Hulk, heard of it. The, it's a, it's Thunder in Paradise is a Hulk Hogan, uh, series that started out as a made for TV movie, um, where he is like an ex, special forces person who has a night rider boat. Okay. Um, and and in fact my friend Matt Fraction calls it night boat. <laughs> um and I and, Matt Fraction. and it's yeah and it's it's really like it's 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 bad. Like it's really, really bad. So you try um, to grab something that isn't necessarily Oh we look for stuff that's terrible. Okay. Yeah. And we don't look we don't look for stuff that's terrible in that mystery science theater way. No. We look for stuff that's terrible in the like, you really thought that your casual racism was okay for television. Yes. Right? Or you really thought that like your heavy handed message was like justified all I the other stuff you, that you, you did. Have you tried to watch Maud recently? No. We don't have cable, so yeah. we get me TV and this TV yeah. and Maud's on a lot, and I love B. Arthur with the power of the sun. Yeah. But Maud, stop hitting me. Stop hitting me, Maud, with yeah. the feminism yeah. and the justice and the social justice and the and I was like, because parts of it, there are at least five great lines in every twenty two minute episodes. Yeah. And there are at least three times when you want to crawl through the screen and uh kill everybody uh with a pillow. <laughs> so, that's a that boy. That would be a really long and uncomfortable death. I mean, unless, unless they were in their bed and you just suffocated them. I was actually it. thinking, just like you know, beating oh, someone to death with a pillow. No. I'm uh uh. You know what I love on the Me TV is right. the Svengooli show is on Saturday nights. What's that? Svengooli's a horror host, like Elvira. Oh wow! Yeah. All right. So yeah. So his his shtick is. Um, he like kind of comes out of a coffin and like does all this ridiculous stuff. And then um, before and after they throw to the movie, uh, he like says things that engage with clips from the movie, like maybe bits of dialogue or whatever. And there's like, like really lo-fi blue screen effects of like putting him into movies and stuff. And right. it, it's delightfully charming. And, and it's, it's just those, I really, you know, I, I, the Saturday matinee movies on on local television when local television still existed. Right. I loved them. I yeah. really, really, really loved them. And then as I was coming of age in in, uh, in college, Mystery Science Theater was such a massive, profound influence on Hardwick and me. We were roommates in college. So, oh, were you? Yeah. So oh, that's so we hilarious. were we were so massively shaped by like our two biggest influences were probably Ren and Stimpy and Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Right. I uh, I knew all those guys from stand-up in Minneapolis, the yeah. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Over the years, yeah. I've been very fortunate to come to know Trace and Kevin and Bill Corbett and um, Joel a little bit, but mostly Kevin and, and, and Bill. And um, I will never grow tired of hearing Kevin occasionally do the Tom Servo voice. Like, I just <laughs> never get tired of it. Right. I, uh, I'm closer with Josh and Mary Jo Peel. Yeah. Um, so those are – but it's – but I'm collecting them all. I had uh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> and Joel on. And uh, all that's left, actually, is Trace from the original yeah. to have them. To collect them all in the dark forest, feel free. Yeah. And so tabletop games. Let's yeah. do some plug-in because we're at an hour. Okay. Uh, this is – thank you so much for being on the show, by it's the way. It's a real course. pleasure. I hope that my like, oh, the beer long thing. beer thing is, is, is well, interesting. that's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for here okay. at the dark forest. All right. You can't uh, – uh, uh, there's no way. Okay. There's not enough minutia to really to, to, <laughs> to stop me. <laughs> so um yeah. The uh but I'll get you back on to talk about these other dorkdoms, but the beer yeah, I was can do great. That. Okay. Let me add let me add two two things about beer. Yeah. Um uh if if anyone is, is actually interested and, right. and is and is and is you know, their your your curiosity is peaked and you kinda wanna check it out. There's two books. There's lots and lots and lots of books up there. Good. There's only two books that you need. Okay. There's a book called The Complete Joy of Home Brewing by an mm-hmm. author named Charlie Papazian. And there's, Armenian. And, there, Come and, on, and there's, and there's a book called How to Brew by a guy named John Palmer. Those are the only two books you will ever need. There's others. Right. And they're all great, but those are the only two that are like, yeah, those are essential. You have to have them. Okay. You can go, most, most towns have a homebrew supply. Okay. I really recommend going to a homebrew supply because I should always support local businesses if right. you can. Yeah, if there's a local brick and, and mortar one. And, and also it's just, it's a cool community hub, right? Yeah, you'll meet somebody who can help you. Yeah. And right. brewers, 
by and large, I mean, I'm sure there's dick wagons out there. I have never met one. <laughs> okay. Everyone I've met who's a brewer, and I've met lots of them, are so friendly and willing to help. We love it. We're super passionate about our hobby. Yeah. And there was someone who was awesome to me when I was starting. And if I have an opportunity to be that to someone else, I yeah. always take it. And I think a lot of homebrewers have that attitude. That's great. So local homebrew supply. But online, you've got Northern Brewer, Austin Homebrew Supply, Brooklyn, uh, the Brooklyn Brew Shop, I think it's called, or Brooklyn okay. Beer Shop. Um, they're all Midwest Supplies is also really good. There's just tons of places you can go. And um, and the communities that you can look at are really, really friendly. Okay. And it's really fun. Brooklyn Brew Shop has a fantastic uh, saying, if you can make oatmeal, you can make beer. And oh, there it is you a, go. And it is 100% correct. Okay. Uh, cool. So everybody, uh, follow Will on Twitter. Go to Will Wheaton. Don't follow me on Twitter. I'm the worst. Don't follow Will on Twitter. No. It's the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. It's, uh, and then, but it's Will W. If you were to not want to follow him, you to avoid him on Twitter. You should avoid at Will W. That's, That's right. it. Yeah. And does Will Wheaton.net have all links to all your different podcasts and tabletop gaming and all that um, stuff? Or? Yeah, yeah, it does. There's, there's a menu there somewhere that has, that has, uh, links to all of the various things that I do. Right. On, on, on pretty much every social network, I am in descending order either Will W, it's Will Wheaton or Will Wheaton. There you go. Find him. I'm sure uh, you'll see him uh, at, around. Uh, thank you so much for doing Thanks the show. Thanks for having me, Jackie. This was really fun. And you know the rules, folks. Take care of each other out there. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?